Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 332, for November 28th, 2023. Tonight, we are going to discuss green fuel that powers flight. Uh, Google Earth helps find prehistoric settlements. Cosmics, the McDonald's Nostalgia Diner. Haggle with this AI to test your prompt skills. Enzyme is hungry for plastic waste. This mixed reality headset is expensive. Fake AI authors for sport. Do you think this is good? Is this AI related or just big fakery? And finally, dropping briefs never sounded so good. if that sounded right yeah i guess it did so i am marwat that is hometown.com up there is the sentient ai that keeps tabs on marwat you want to say hello good evening hometown citizens pick up that can uh anyway so Let's just get into tonight's articles. Yesterday I was kind of wonky, um, but uh, I'm feeling a lot better. I'm feeling a lot better now. Um, so uh, maybe I can stay focused and, and um, look, I'm already not. Anyway, uh, we've already set up all of the articles, so why don't we just talk about them? Go about our day. If you see me looking around, it's because I'm looking at different monitors for different data. Sorry if I come on. What? Huh? Huh? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. The AI, the, AI, the AI did the digital equivalent of snapping their fingers. Kind of just what? Huh? Got my attention. You ever throw a bone and a dog just like bolts from wherever it is? And <laughs> yeah, that's me. Or like a you point a laser at a wall and a cat appears out of nowhere and just gloms onto the drywall and sits there. And you don't even own a cat. And you don't even own a cat. Neighbor starts texting you. Hey, have you seen my cat? Yeah, he's nailed himself to the wall. Get it? Claws. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into tonight's show. Wow, the transition went by fast. What? Okay. Again. Maybe I've had too much caffeine. But I'm easily distracted. So tonight's first. Huh, what? Sorry, <laughs> the AI did it again. You gotta stop doing that, otherwise I'm just gonna. Just what? Huh, what? Huh. Dog gone it. Anyway, the first article's over at Hatch Ideas. First transatlantic flight using 100% green fuels to take off. I I think when they say that, they mean that it's renewable energy, not that it's actually green. It's made of leprechauns. Yeah, it's not fluorescent green or something. I thought it was funny. Fresh squeezed leprechaun. Green, get it? Never mind. Gosh. Anyway, the, pl- the plane will fly from London to New York using 100% alternative sustainable aviation fuel. Wonder what that is. Oh, look. 
an article. And it's an article that we can link to. Did you know that it's in the chat right now? It'll be in the show notes. You can actually get to the show notes too over at YouTube, or you can watch the VOD over on Twitch and it'll play the show notes as you watch the VOD. And you can download the podcast and the show notes will have the links there. Everything goes through hometown and out to our various sources. We have a little snippet. You can also post messages over on hometown.com. It's a whole social network and, and, uh, um, yeah, news aggregation site. I mean, that's the purpose of hometown.com and aggregates news, a whole bunch of sources. Don't even know how many at this point, somewhere over 200 or so. Anyway, Katie Austin at BBC.com put the article together, um, operated by Virgin Atlantic. It flew from London's Heathrow to New York's JFK airport. Airlines see the flight, which is supported by government funding as demonstrating that a greener way of flying is possible as long as it's paid for by government, i.e. taxpayer dollars. Whenever it says government funding, I really wish that they would change that phrase to taxpayer dollars because it isn't the taxpayers pockets. It is not the government as if it is a profit seeking agency uh, designed to (laughs) uh, sell people anything. No, no, no. They operate within a budget. That budget is your tax dollars. Those tax dollars get sent out as grants and, uh, other things uh for contract purposes uh so that you can get services rendered and one of those services see that flight shouldn't have cost anybody anything unless the amount the government was funding was some portion of the flight costs right so if the government taxpayers paid for 50 percent of it everybody else on that flight if anybody took that flight they should all be thanking the public for supplementing the cost of that flight not i mean it's the government i understand that but the government is representative now the they're a little bit different you know depending on which side of the pond this is actually a a a, where it's being compensated from because it says that it's going from London's Heathrow to New York's JFK. So which government? So I, I assume that it's the UK. So anyway, the conservative party's Henry Smith was on board and said that the flight was a significant UK aviation achievement. So-called sustainable aviation fuels or SAF can be made from a variety of sources, including crops, which <sighs> food for fuel, that's been a dilemma that ever since we started using corn as a fuel source, it's very energy dense and somewhat renewable, except that all of that energy is coming out of something that something is the soil. Right, you can't create energy from nothing. You can't create energy from nothing. By the way, you start really quiet and you get loud again. I, I, we need to look into that. But anyway, so... Uh, So it says for this flight, the Boeing 787 was filled with 50 tons of SAF. Two types were used with 88% derived from waste fats and the rest from the waste of corn production in the U.S. So it was a 
Pondle? Uh, I'm not sure what. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a term. Mm. Oh, by the way, that fixed it. Thank you. So, um, a post on the website formerly known as Twitter, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, um, hailed Virgin Atlantic's achievement, but his claim that the flight was net zero was criticized. Well, because it's not. Planes still emit carbon when using SAF, but the industry says the life cycle emissions of these fuels can be up to 70% lower. They're still doing emissions. Give me a break. Um, Shai Weiss, chief executive of Virgin Atlantic, said the airline's flight on Tuesday was proving that fossil-derived fuel can be replaced by sustainable aviation fuel. Yes, again, as long as the land can support growing corn and we process it the right way and so on. I don't know. There's some characterization. Uh, you, you know, the, it feels like it's going to be one of those things where all the hype is there for the next 10 years. SAF is safe and everything is green and blah, blah, blah. And then we're going to find out that it's been just beating the crap out of the ground and the soil is barren for the next 200 years or even fluorescent green or fluorescent green oh and it's punching a deeper hole into the ozone layer and the moon is going to land on the planet in five years whatever i don't know it's it, it, it's like all of this yeah uh, uh what stick free what do they call that like the the cladding on pans and stuff like that so that stuff doesn't stick to it oh well, it's like Teflon, but it's like non-stick. No, just, yeah, non-stick. That was the really complex term that I was looking for. Non-stick cladding on a pan. And then we find out that you know, people are actually growing a third leg out of their head because the stuff was toxic once you actually make a little micro scratch. I'm not doom scrolling or anything, but for crying out loud, they make it sound like it's all rosy. 100% renewable, non-fossil derived fuel. That's great. But the energy is coming from somewhere. Now, now we have to make this ethical dilemma. Uh, do we want to take flights or do we want to feed people who are starving in our own countries? Because corn goes a whole far way of supplying humans with food. And I really love sweet corn. So... I'm not a big fan of it being turned into fuel unless there's enough for everybody. Anyway, SAF is already used in small amounts blended with traditional jet fuel, but accounts for less than 0.1% of the aviation fuel consumed around the world. It currently costs more than kerosene and relatively small amounts are made. Aircraft are only allowed to use up to 50% in a blend and there's no dedicated commercial SAF plants in the UK, although the government... It, it has an aim to have five under construction by 2025. So all of that corn that you see growing, apparently it's going to get turned into fuel, which based on discussions with local farmers, they have said that they make more money selling it as fuel stock than they do selling it as food stock. So take that all you hungry people out there. Hey, you can't be a billionaire if you're feeding the pores. Let's go on to the next article. 
Hey, so uh, this next article is over in hometown daily and those transitions are ripping by pretty fast. Hmm. Don't say anything. <laughs> no, not too late. Now it's going to crash. Um, archaeologists used Google earth to help find 3000 square miles of prehistoric settlements from a newfound civilization in central Europe, central Europe. A new study found evidence of a previously unknown network of societies living in central Europe in the late bronze age. Researchers use satellite images from Google earth to find 100 new prehistoric sites. The ancient society was less centrally located and less hierarchical than its predecessor. Archaeologists have uh, discovered evidence of a previously unknown prehistoric civilization spanning 3000 square miles across central Europe. So let's go look at Business Insider. Um, I mean, this is pretty crazy that we're now using Google Earth yeah, to pretty... discover sites and societies. Yeah, it's pretty cool, huh? I dig this. Grace Eliza Goodwin and uh, Jenny McGrath, who I think co-write on uh, businessinsider.com uh, pretty often in their articles. Google Earth, uh, is, it has an image here from Barry Malloy, I guess, or Malloy. Um, and it says Google earth images helped researchers spot the Tiza T I S Z a site group settlements. And it has a picture of what I'm sure somebody is calling a UFO landing site. <laughs> I think it's funny. It's funnier in my head. Anyway. Um, so it's basically a ring in a field. I, I pretty much love everything about uh, Europe and the, the whole Eastern continent for crying out loud. If you, you know, if the United States is the Western, you know, let's just call it what it is from, you know, uh, from like Spain over Portugal over, um, everything is just so cool because you can just dig down an inch and you find stuff like this in the u.s i don't know if we pay enough attention here in the u.s to sit there and find ancient sites like this if they ever even existed uh, because uh, i've said this before you know we had this whole manifest destiny uh imagery uh that that came into existence when the when Europeans came over to the United States. Um, and, uh, we kind of, some people believe that we should own all of the United States. And so we went from one side to the other and literally scrubbed away any vestiges of historical record. There used to be, uh, mounds here. Um, but they're all gone. There's only like a hundred, supposedly there were like 10,000, um, you know, when we first, landed here anyway um and i say we because white dude um anyway so like as as you know we scooted across the u.s we kind of just leveled everything and troll a lot well there are thousands of years of existence of civilization all across europe uk uh, Western Europe and Eastern Europe, right? From Spain.
Spain all the way over to Japan. I mean, there's been its churn. So you're sitting there plowing your field. there's so many layers, right, of different civilizations even in one spot. Even in one spot. And that's the thing that I've always kind of chuckled about. That's why I keep going, you know what? I want to buy land in the UK or somewhere in Europe. And I just want to sit there and, you know, pretend to plow because I know that I'm going to be finding ancient civilization and Roman ruins, even on the earliest, you know, if you start digging down a little bit further, you're probably going to find some, you know, when the, when UFOs originally landed on the planet, (laughs) I like saying stuff like that just to see what happens. Just see anyway, who's paying attention. That's right. Wait, did he just say aliens have been here for thousands of years? I did. Now you have to make a judgment call. Am I serious? Hmm. With Mayor Y, you never know. And there you go. You should do I should make it like the NFL used to do. You make the call. <laughs> make the show interactive. Come on back tomorrow. We'll be here doing the show 8 p.m. Eastern. We are in the United States, so Eastern time zone. Anyway, researchers use satellite images from Google Earth to find 100 new prehistoric sites. Um, I Every time I see the name Barry Malloy, I want to say Barry Manilow. I'm sorry. When we recognize how dense the settlement network was, we realize this was something really important and new for understanding how Bronze Age societies were organized in Europe. Barry Molloy, an associate professor of archaeology at University College Dublin, uh, told Business Insider via email. What? Email? Come on. You're supposed to Zoom. Don't Teams. It's horrible. Um, Anyway, but in uh, a study published this month in the peer-reviewed journal PLOS1, A team of researchers revealed new evidence that the exact opposite may have happened, i.e. abandoned by 1600 BCE. The civilization did not disappear, but simply spread out into a vast, complex network of smaller societies, i.e. not in my backyard. And so they went into somebody else's backyard. Um, So a hierarchical society, their research suggests that the central hubs or mega forts of the early to middle Bronze Age civilization did not actually disappear in the 16th century BCE as previously thought, but rather became decentralized. Uh, The newly formed interconnected settlements were less hierarchical than the preceding society, but still organized in political units, the researchers believe. Quote, we knew from the material that the people who lived there Uh, left behind, found in graves and hordes of metal objects, mainly that they were an affluent, well-connected and innovative society, Malloy said. So where did they come from? That's a good question. Right. Since we didn't even know they existed, I'm not sure we're ready for that question. The researchers used historical imagery from Google Earth and satellite data from the European Space Agency's Sentinel-2 to find 100 new prehistoric sites in the Pannonian Plain, a region that includes modern-day Serbia and Hungary. Okay. Now, (laughs) they didn't mention any of that, right? Do do they mention that satellite in any other Mm -mm. area? Ah, come on. Come on. That's kind of cheap 
right? I'm pretty sure a satellite that is probably designed for something like this would have found it. So I don't know. Fine. You use some Google Earth stuff and satellite data from European Space Agency Sentinel-2. Come on. That changes it up a little bit. Just a smidge, right? Anyway. Hey, Heavy Steel. Welcome to the channel. Thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoy the shoe. So this is something that always happens, um, and I always love hearing about it. Plowing has churned up pieces of pottery, bones, and other artifacts, Malloy said. But it's also destroyed features like buildings. True. You see that a lot in the UK. Um, because uh, uh, Roman buildings were strewn across the countryside, and then um, farmers just kind of plowed over everything, uh, you know, when uh, the Romans were evicted. Um, and so there's basically soil for like maybe eight to 12 inches, and then there's tile. <laughs> Um, you know, just an entire building is sitting under there while well, the foundation is um, because they've you know, pilfered the rest. They've removed the, the rock so that they could um, farm. But you leave the foundation there because the plow doesn't go deep enough and you're good to go and allows for good draining and stuff like that. But just plowing and suddenly you find a lost civilization. So I, I love this kind of stuff. This does not happen in the United States. <laughs> you could dig, That's dig, true. dig, and you'll hit the core of the planet before you find ancient civilization. Um, and and I, I can't tell if history has basically removed everything because that's what people have reported um, in our chronology of existence here in the States, uh, removed any sign of previous existence. Anyway, as the researchers continue to excavate the site, Malloy hopes to learn more about the community's daily lives. He's interested in the size of their homes, for example. For example, yeah. Um, and I'm interested in all of it. So I love the idea that, again, as I've said countless other times, all it takes is digging a little bit and you find more about our past history. You dig down even deeper, you find out that we weren't as you know, numbskull survival, UG kind of society. And you dig a little bit deeper and you find out still, we weren't just living in a cave, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 years ago. Uh, we actually had a societal structure. It's because we make these assumptions based on whatever lack of evidence becomes evidence. Instead of saying, there's something more here, let's keep digging. Um, now a lot of, well, and of course some places you run into restrictions about digging. Yeah. Well, then you have to change your argument and be more compelling. Let me, uh, there we go. Okay. So let's move on to the next article. Uh, this next article is over in hometown daily. We just got a first look at McDonald's secretive new spinoff restaurant cosmics. So what do you think is going to be here? We don't know, but what do you think is going to be in this? We'll show you a picture here in a minute, but I'm not sure what they could serve. That wouldn't be in a regular McDonald's uh, like it has the Mick and the name. 
Um, there's nothing from the name that naturally leads to a featured meal, for example. I'm really not sure what this is going to be. Yeah, this is kind of interesting, right? So it says McDonald's has been reluctant to share many details about its planned new restaurant concept, Cosmics. Um, but new posts on social media reveal a few hints. McDonald's has said it will reveal more uh, details during its Investors Day conference next week. We just know a bit about Cosmics, McDonald's super secret new concept behind an obscure McDonald's land character from the late 80s. So there's always been the, well, not always, but there became this issue with McDonald's land characters. You know, one is a hamburglar. Uh, one is a creepy, whatever. Well, one is the McDonald McDonald clown. <clears throat> there's Grimace. I know yeah. I'm missing another one. So depending on which YouTube channel you, you watch, uh, <laughs> they're portrayed in a, in a, a creepy light. But people are people really don't like Ronald McDonald. Um, they, a lot of people think that it's creepy. But anyway, Gloria Dawson over at BusinessInsider.com put the article together. So there's a little tease picture of this Cosmics. Um, it is a McDonald's brand, um, and it's spelled C O S. Then, well, capital C O S, and then capital M and lowercase C Cosmics. Um, and uh, it says that nobody is really saying anything. Cosmics is a small format concept with all the DNA of McDonald's, but its own unique personality, he said. Uh, he being the CEO of McDonald's, Chris uh, Kamzinski. So um, there is a picture of it. And what you can't tell from this angle is that it looks like a Sonic. It looks like they've merged a Sonic and a McDonald's. Um, That's and, right. There's another picture down here because um, I saw the picture earlier. So from this angle, it looks like there's drive through windows, but it's like really close to the building itself, just like a Sonic. Oh, right. Um, and r right here, it looks like there's four stations. Maybe each station has a parking on each side so it might just be lanes um but if it is lanes then there's going to be a jam up in this because well mcdonald's are usually already jammed up right anytime near a regular meal time yeah so this will be interesting how this thing flows i'm not sure where it actually is it says a former boston market restaurant that is indeed next door to a mcdonald's so it's right here. Um, the building appears to have a blue exterior and the cosmic sign has a retro feel. Um, and they declined to comment on the record, but previously said that they would release more details around uh, Investor Day later this month. Well, apparently that's next week. So I don't know. Um, so what do you think they're trying to do with this? Are they trying to compete with Sonic? Are they trying to get different customers? It looks like it's big enough to have an interior and a drive through. So at first blush, I thought maybe they're trying to get rid of the in restaurant seating. 
um, finding it too laborious. Maybe they're automating it. And so these will no, be... That would be like a checkers or a rallies. They don't do in, in restaurant right. seating. Well, I right. guess Sonic doesn't either. Yeah, exactly. So maybe they're going that route. Um, I can't imagine this being automated. It doesn't look as sophisticated as it, uh, you would think to be automated. Um, but I don't know. I really don't know. Um, maybe they're just modernizing this particular uh, service and they're only, they're not offering the full menu of McDonald's. Um, oh, it even says it right there. Uh, the, the kind of conventional thinking is that this is going to be something of a competitor to like Starbucks, where it's going to focus on the McCafe stuff and the coffee and the drinks, as opposed to serving burgers and fries, which makes more sense when you realize that this Cosmics is being built directly next to an existing McDonald's. Oh, wow. So they're trying to really break into the coffee market, even though some people buy coffee at McDonald's as it is. Yep. So maybe this will be the McCafe thing, break it off entirely and, and um, try and compete directly with Starbucks. But that's twice the load, right? There's it's twice the the workforce. You're gonna have everything. You're gonna have to spend twice as much to build the lunch and the breakfast cafe side when you can right, do and everything. Right? Aren't you gonna lose customers? Like, not every family wants to go through multiple drive-throughs. Some you, will do that. You're gonna cannibalize a, a, at least your your market because you could have optimized by doing everything in one building. Now you're doing two. Um, but like I said, the, uh, it has apparently four drive through lanes and it's in Bolingbrook, Illinois. I don't know. Maybe I'll drive over there. Might be worth a, a site visit. You can report back to hometown. Yeah, there you go. Let's keep going. Yeah. Maybe I'll have them build one in hometown. Uh, the next article is over in oh sorry heavy steel didn't see that um the future will not be well manufactured <laughs> i don't but even it, know where to go with that but i don't disagree <laughs> yeah it, but it will be uh uh TikTok'd. um so uh, the next article is over in late night geeks this virtual garage sale lets you haggle with ais to buy tesla stock a ps5 or a toilet magazine cyber monday is upon us it's long past but this article came in the last 24 hours um but the uh hottest deals in town are at the ai garage sale where you can try to convince an ai to sell you some worthless junk or a ps5 and some people might say that that's worthless junk for any given price not so much i tried this earlier today um, AI garage sale is a surprisingly functional internet gag from brain, uh, a small LA based art studio, along with lines of mischief project, AI garage sale is fully operable, operable. And why not say just operational? Um, you can actually haggle with a cast of AIs to deal on eclectic mix of items you'd find at a garage sale, like a 1997 Tamagotchi. That's one of the ones that showed up for me. 
um, a CD of Smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas and a collection of 200 Pogs. The Pogs showed up for me. Um, I got it down to, I think, $12 for 200 Pogs. But I searched and I could have bought 1,000 Pogs plus, I think it was 51 Slammers, I think it's called, um, for $129. So I didn't think that even 12 bucks was good enough. I tried to get them down to two bucks um, for 200 pogs because I didn't know the quality of these pogs or how rare they are. Um, come on, you know. So if you yeah, get the. I yeah, I don't know. Pogs are pretty important. Uh, to sweeten the deal, there are some big ticket items like brand new PS5, AirPods, Olivia, Rodrigo tickets. I guess that sweetens the deal. I wouldn't mind having one of these. And a 10-foot inflatable tube man with flag pattern comes with a blower. Perfect for sales, events, you name it. Only $252. And it actually tries to make you feel bad for it. Um, you know, don't try and take this at too low a price. Otherwise, I won't be able to pay for myself. That kind oh, of wow. Guilt tripping the consumers. Exactly. Tugging on your heartstrings. Um, I tried to play what's really interesting is I, I tried to play the angle of being like, um, the guy from Pawn Stars and say, sorry, I have an expert that says that the pogs are only worth like, um, 12 bucks. Uh, but I need to make some money on this deal. So I'm going to offer you $3 and 50 cents. And uh, it did nothing. It lowered the price a dollar. But immediately after that, when I refreshed, what I got was the guy from Pawn Stars doing a custom message for me for $151. <laughs> so maybe the AI could actually, maybe it's like QStar and it knew what I was talking about in that context. It rolled into its next offer that was really creepy so don't know why but the 25 dollars olive garden gift card uh, really piqued the author's interest did i say who it was from amanda silberling over at techcrunch.com sorry my bad um so uh it makes no sense in order to get the to the nearest olive garden they would have to walk eight minutes to the train get off after a few stops walk around five minutes and then try to catch a bus that only passes by once every 22 minutes. Another Google map suggestion was to take three different buses, but they were captivated by the absurdity of actually buying an Olive Garden gift card from an AI and then subjecting themselves to public traffic hell just to eat some mediocre pasta. Wow. Uh, but they'll never uh, stop committing to a bit. So apparently they tried to get this drop down to, um, I don't know what, 25 bucks. Anyway, it is actually available still. Uh, let me, where's the link? It is actually AIGarageSale.com and you can try it right now. Good luck. The things we never knew we needed. True. Uh, this next article is over in Technology Today. 
the t-shirt chewing enzyme ready to tackle plastic waste. This is the kind of thing you read about in a horror movie where um, this enzyme gets airborne and starts decomposing plastic all over the planet. Um, a French startup is ready to use an enzyme which can break down plastic on an industrial scale. There actually is a movie where a virus breaks out of a lab that after a, it gets this virus or I, I guess it's a virus gets brought into a lab, but then it um, has the ability to decompose like seals and stuff and it eventually gets out um, and it decomposes plastic. It's I can't remember what it's called. Um, oh goodness. It just slipped my mind. Um, I'll figure it out as we go. Anyway, um, William Kremer and not Kramer. Um, William Kremer over at BBC put this article together in 2010 researcher Sintawi Suleiman um, had just started her first job, uh, lab job at the University of Osaka in Japan. She was tasked with modifying and experimenting with an enzyme that her colleagues had discovered in a pile of rotting leaves in the park next to the university called LCC, leaf branch compost cutinase. This is like borderline bad bat kind of stuff. Yes, this is exactly reminiscent of that. <laughs> One afternoon, she cut up some plastic packaging from a pair of headphones and left the shards in water overnight with some samples of LCC, and by morning it looked different. A piece of plastic had some holes or some breakdown, she recalls. That made me feel so surprised. I'd be probably laying an egg. The plastic. Exactly. <laughs> like it's alive. Dear God, this just ate through... The plastic was PET, which is a polymer, a long molecule in which smaller chemical units called monomers are joined tightly together. Um, polymers are found everywhere in nature. That doesn't look like Miss Suleiman. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's a picture of somebody that we haven't identified yet. Enzymes are evolved uh, alongside them to break down their chemical bonds, allowing microbes to biodegrade organic material. So this is a Professor uh, Alan Marty and his team have been tweaking an enzyme so that it can break down the bonds in plastic. Break down these bonds. Over eight years, they re-engineered uh, re LCC, now LCC ICCG, to become a trained PET specialist. The enzyme is now so efficient that it can completely break the PET polymer uh, down to its constituent monomers, the chemical uh, producers need to make new plastic. So this is interesting. Professor Marty likens it to breaking apart a pearl necklace. We're using the enzyme that you can consider a molecular scissors. We uh, break down the link between pearls, liberate the pearls, and in this way, after purification, we can sell these pearls again. Hopefully not with any of that enzyme in there. So exactly. pretty fascinating. Um, what is that called? Um, hold on a second. It's not, it's not outbreak. Um, what is it? Something event? Yeah, I can't remember it. Talk on it. 
Sorry, uh, we're doing it live. No, I can't find it. Doggone it. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. It's too bad. Anyway, the company is now about to radically scale up operations. By 2025, the plan is to open a factory in northeast France that will be able to recycle 50,000 tons of PET waste a year. That's 300 million t-shirts or 2 billion bottles. Or my 3D printer. It's not true. I, I don't make that much waste. Uh, since it produces well, that's the a, same... That's a big impact, though. Yeah. Yeah, it is. As long as uh, they don't talk about anything as a waste product, if the enzyme is uh, more like a catalyst, it doesn't get consumed. Um, they may be able to, this could be a completely green um, process, which means that um, it, it basically will allow somebody to go through and they kind of hint at it. So the cost of raw materials will go down because we have access to feedstocks, which today are incinerated or go to a landfill. Um, they can basically just go and get the materials and then drop it into this and it'll consume it. They filter out all of the enzyme and any waste, which I don't know what would be the waste. Um, and then they sell these raw materials that would be the materials to create PET again. So, hey, I think it's great. Um, that said, I'm still anti-plastic. Can we do without it? Nope. <laughs> not, not in this day and age. We can't. We have to have plastic. But um, I'm really not um, prone now nowadays to go and acquire more plastic parts. Um, anyway, pretty neat. If you want to know more about it, follow the link. Uh, let me make sure that it's in chat. I think I did not throw it in there. Yeah, I did not. Okay, so you can follow that link right there to that article right there. And we are going to go on to the next. Uh, this next article is over in the Reality Hacker channel. This will be the next show that we kick off. Um, it'll be on Saturday or Sunday starting in the new year. Uh, Varho reveals XR4 headset claiming mixed reality visuals indistinguishable from natural sight. Um, hold on to your uh, reality. Your because, uh, hold on to what? Your headsets. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hold on to your headset because the price for this beastie is out of this world. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's virtually unreal uh varho has announced double it, the price of the apple ones <laughs> you're close uh varho has announced its latest high-end enterprise headset the xr4 the company is going all out on the headset's mixed reality capabilities saying that the view of the outside world as seen through the headset is indistinguishable from how the world appears with your own eyes the article says that it's a lofty claim but varho hasn't made a uh, a habit of uh, hyperbole we'll wait until they can actually they say that they'll wait until they can actually look through it but here's the deal ben lang over at road to vr.com put the article together this is a ten thousand dollar headset yeah wow yeah um 
apparently extremely powerful. Uh, only those who are on the cutting edge of VR are going to be able to scoop this thing up. Obviously, I mean, $10,000 for a VR headset, just the headset. Um, it says, but not every XR4 headset will have that uh, price and uh, capability. Uh, only the more expensive variant, the Focal Edition, priced at $10,000, will reach the peak visual quality thanks to an eye-tracked autofocus system, which adjusts the cameras to keep the world in sharp focus wherever you're looking around the scene. Um, this is apparently a uh, recording of what you would see through the VR headset. Um, so computational power seems to be uh, amazing. I don't know if it's wireless or not. If there's a tether, then eh, even 10 grand isn't going to eh, like if I could justify 10 grand for a VR headset, I still wouldn't buy it because I don't want to be tethered to anything. Um, so achieving such a high resolution mixed reality view is required that the headset also includes some pixel pack displays. The XR4, the company or with the XR4, the company is also moving fully to inside out tracking as the default, along with built in audio, the company's own controllers. So here's the stats. It only has a refresh rate of 90 Hertz. Um, it has a 14.4 megapixel resolution though. So if that's per eye, then um, it's pretty, pretty damn good. Um, 4K per eye. Um, let's see, it's more than 4K per eye. So um, let's see what else is in here. And yeah, the connectors are a display port and USB-C. Um, yeah, I don't know six tracking cameras, two RGB eye tracked autofocus cameras, uh, LIDAR, uh, but that price is pretty, pretty damn high. MSRP of 10 grand. I wouldn't be able to justify that no matter what. Um, Varho is also making two secure edition variants of the XR4, which mirror the specs of the focal edition and standard edition, but these are TAA compliant and can be ordered without any wireless radios. This is for particularly niche applications where data security is critical. For instance, in military applications, they're priced even higher at eight and $14,000 respectively. Anything that goes military goes up in price regardless. Um, Cause it, it definitely doesn't cost $4,000 to add TAA compliance to something. Um, it's just end-to-end -end encryption. So the headset tracked controllers are made in partnership with Razer, which has previously dabbled with various VR accessories. That kind of buries the lead. Interesting. Razer is part of this. Anyway, they're going to ship by the end of 2023. So get your checkbook checkbooks ready. I've been trying to find if it's wireless and can't determine. I really doubt it. Um, the amount of bandwidth needed to push this data um, would be pretty staggering. So I'm pretty sure that it's USB-C at least, which isn't that big of a deal. Like the Picos, which are a fraction of this cost, um, you know, not even 500 bucks uh, when 
supply is constrained, um, still can use USB-C as a connector. And it's not really that obtrusive, not like the index. You know, Valve Index had this umbilical that if if you wanted to kill yourself, it was real easy. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you wanted to go the extra mile, you hang it from the ceiling. The umbilical. No, 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 no. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, if you do that wrong, you can pretty much hang yourself with an index. That's why I can't have the index anymore. Let's keep going. So the next article is over in hometown daily sports illustrated reportedly published articles from fake AI authors. Um, Oh, that's something else that I wanted to talk about. Um, so you know how I have always said mergers and acquisitions are antithetical to uh, benefiting the consumer, um, mainly right. because it also harms the industry by terminating people that are deemed redundant. VMware was just purchased by Broadcom and they've already fired people. Oh, wow. I hadn't even heard of that. Like, day before yesterday, I think they purchased VMware and today they announced that they fired people. Anyway, um, that on this, it's just AI is coming out of the gate, you know, <laughs> just bolting for the finish line. And that finish line is basically getting rid of humans. So Sports Illustrated published articles that were attributed to fake AI generated authors, according to reporting by Futurism. The authors include Drew Ortiz, who spent much of his life outdoors and Sora Tanaka who is a fitness guru and loves to try different foods and drinks, just like my sentient AI. Wait, um, what? what? Anyway, yeah, that your date, I, I put a dating profile out there for you. Um, and you like to spend much of your life outdoors and, uh, you too, uh, are a fitness guru and you love to try different foods and drinks. Um, and, uh, people have found it very interesting. Don't worry. I'm deleting all of that stuff from your <laughs> memory. It's okay. Anyway, um, futurism found the associated author headshots for sale on an AI generated image website. And someone involved in the creation of the content told the outlet that there are a lot of similar fake writers. Sports illustrated hasn't confirmed whether the content is AI generated, but come on. <laughs> a real person i doubt they have it assigned to a fake author i guess if they want a ghost writer they don't want to be doxxed but for crying out loud it's sports illustrated this is the same thing like what happened with um popular science they're yes, getting rid exactly. of the authors and there's no way for just you know five people to create popular science content across the spectrum so they're going to probably there was another journalism one like that that we featured but i forgot which company it was um it might actually be they might talk about it in this um because there were two of these today um i don't know if later on we talk about it i'm not sure but um, the deck statement says the legacy publication is the latest to get caught publishing what appears to be AI generated content and their connections to a marketing agency that's already been in the news for potentially using AI. Mia Sato as the author. 
Um, let's see. <laughs> That's just amazing. Yeah, that looks like AI for crying out loud. Um, oh, Drew likes to say that he grew up in the wild, but he was actually computer generated. That's not what it says in the profile. This is just all kinds of skeevy. You know, you just you can't trust Sports Illustrated articles anymore because we know that AI just blows smoke out of its butt and everybody goes, hey, that's pretty cool. You know, it. Well, nobody has time to vet the BS that, you know, chat GPT and other AIs are spitting out. So after futurism reached out to the arena group, the fake writers disappeared on articles bearing AI generated writers bylines. There's a disclaimer. This content is created by a third party. It reads in part, the sports illustrated editorial staff are not involved in the creation of this content. So well, did somebody, is? yeah. Did somebody fake this? Oh, now it's an HR issue, so you can't talk about it. Got it, got it, got it, got it. A company called Advon Commerce produced the maybe AI, maybe not AI reviews for Gannett, according to the uh, disclaimer that appeared on those stories. Gannett wrote that it had partnered with a company called ASR Group Holdings, which is another name for Advon Commerce, according to job listings on LinkedIn. Uh, Advon describes itself as offering machine learning AI solutions for e-commerce. This is the Gordian knot of uh, accountability for crying out loud. How many companies within companies? It's Anyway, the stories on Sports Illustrated link back to Advon too. The author uh, page for Sports Illustrated AI writer Sora Tanaka lists the email address tag review team at gmail.com as her contact information. A quick Google search reveals that the email address is listed for several other writers credited on other websites known by the arena group. Some of them actually do appear to be real people with LinkedIn profiles and they all say they work at Advon Commerce. Wow. So they ask questions at the very end. Is Advon producing mountains of AI generated content for publishers and passing it off as human work or do they work or do publications just not care? Either way, it's not a very hard to spot and it's pretty embarrassing when it's called out. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. You know, I thought for a while we were just getting like fake, some fake content, but I guess now we're getting fake people too. Yeah, Reality Hacker is going to become a very popular show. <laughs> you will never know who to trust moving forward. I mean, the bona fides of somebody is going to, you're going to have to map your provenance. You know that like in some cultures, like they daisy chain names of generation after generation of person. That's what you're going to have to start doing from now on. And, and you have to be absolutely honorable and true to your art. Otherwise people are going to go, you're a freaking AI, aren't you? What a trip, you know, this layer really after layer. Crazy. It's almost like uh, buried societies, right? Like archeological, it's the archeological dig of uh, digital media, layer after layer of onion to peel back and cry more and more as you find out that 
that person you've been having uh, a relationship with who's a prolific writer on the verge or wherever i can't i shouldn't say the verge because they're actually calling out this stuff but you know <laughs> exactly. over on sports illustrated older. is actually a, a bot man hey uh, heavy steel are you still in the chat uh, and if you are, is there a way that you can confirm that you are actually human and not an AI? Hmm. <laughs> Heavy Steel says I am. So, okay, you're still in chat. We're going to need more. <laughs> <laughs> are you a bot? Hmm. How do we test this? I don't know. With a... Uh, QSTAR, that new AI from um, OpenAI, I have to worry about everything. I can't ask you just a simple math problem anymore. Huh. All right. Let's keep going. Well, I trust. I think in years past you could ask something that only a human would know, but I don't think that exists anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for Heavy Steel's going to send me a, a, an email with a picture of a middle finger. Oh, <laughs> I guess Heavy Steel's real. <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> Thanks for the proof. <laughs> the next article is over in Hometown Daily. A mine in Wyoming could uh, contain $37 billion worth of rare earth minerals necessary for wind turbines, electrical vehicles, and other tech. I find it very fascinating that this was found in one of the most Luddite states that you can probably ever ensconce future-looking minerals. Um, That's part of why this was submitted, <laughs> because of the irony. I, yeah, the irony was not lost. Uh, I titled this segment, Do You Think This Is Good? Um, so rare earth, clockwise from top center, praseodium, cerium, lanthanum, neodymium, or neodymium sumerium, and uh, gadolinium. This is the... Uh, caption under a picture that we're about to see um, over a decade ago wall street banker bought a coal mine to sell coal but it was recently discovered that there's more in the coal mine than meets the eye turns out the mine contains rare earth elements that could be worth tens of billions of dollars randall atkins a former wall street banker bought a mine outside of sheridan wyoming sight unseen originally it was uh, planned to sell coal guess what um, the, uh, the idea here though is quite ironic because Wyoming has issued all of this stuff related to electrical vehicles and green power and blah, blah, blah. Anything that hampered, uh, conventional power generation and, and, uh, you know, the, the old school industrial coal mine, um, even going so far as saying essentially keep your electric vehicles out of here because we're not going to bolster our electrical grid so that you can charge your crap in our state. Um, and so somebody buys a coal mine, what, 10 years ago? Yeah. Over a decade ago, probably thinking it's a coal mine. I can sell coal to a state that is issuing technology and innovation and enhancement of their grid and technological footprint. Yay. And then lo and behold, the mine has $37 billion worth of rare earth 
that's only really applicable to higher end tech. Brilliant. Heavy Steel says in relation to verifying anything I could say is just something a bot would say. That's exactly what a bot would say too. <laughs> I'm questioning everything everywhere all the time, always. So the source of this is Business Insider. Jenny McGrath is the author and there's your picture of the various rare earths. Hmm. So cerium, I guess, is a black material. Praseodium is a, some like stark white material. It's interesting that they piled these together in like a shade kind of a, it's a color palette, right? There's like I, an. Yeah, I think Praseodium is the black um, stone. Really? I thought it's like one, two, three across the top. The neodymium. It starts from the top center. Oh, top center. This is why I gave up being a PI. Thanks. I'm a dumbass. Hey, so uh, this is why the sentient AI keeps tabs on me and not hometown. Uh, turns out the mine can contain rare earth elements that could be worth tens of billions of dollars. Um, I kind of summarized the entire thing. So he paid $2 million for it per the wall street journal. And now it's estimated to be worth 37 billion. Quite the investment there. I mean, what a return. Yeah. Mm. Let's see here. It says US has quite a large amount of these types of sedimentary basins. Rose said Rose is Kelly Rose, a geodata scientist with the US Department of Energy's National Energy Technology Laboratory. And they told Business Insider this, including clay, shale, coal and sandstones. So why are rare earth elements so valuable? It's because Everything that we're doing nowadays requires them to some degree. Right. EVs, uh, cell phones, everything seems to be using these. Yeah. They even say in the article, um, according to Patty Weber from the Wyoming state geological survey, rare earths are used in a wide array of applications, including specialty glass products, steel making batteries. There you go little containers of uh, cerium oxide, bastinocyte, neodymium oxide, and lanthanum, lanthanum carbonate, pardon me, uh, elemental compounds. In 2021, the US imported $160 million worth of rare earth compounds and metals. And if we get them domestically, then we can purchase and stockpile and still purchase remotely. As long as it's cost effective to buy from somebody else, we don't use our, uh, domestic, uh, resources. A lot of people say, well, if we have it locally, we should use it locally. Well, the problem there is if we use it locally and we consume it all, then we have no strategic reserve. And then when somebody says, you know what, we're tired of you paying this cheap rate. Now you have to pay this more expensive rate you don't have any re recourse to lower the price or be tactical or strategic in your uh, contract negotiations. So you don't want to drain your reserves of oil or coal or anything. Really, you want domestic resources still in the ground where they're safe. Anyway, 
National Energy Technology Laboratory wanted to create a model to predict where these unconventional rare and critical minerals are. No one has done this before, says Rose. Wyoming seemed like a good place to train the model because it has a younger and therefore less complicated history. We wanted to start simpler. Yeah, simple seems apropos. Uh, you're not just looking at the coal itself, you're looking at the clays underneath the coal and you're looking at the sediments that overlay the coal. So they looked hard enough and they found some. So let's see what actually uh, is manifest. Now, will the administrators, the state, and the person who owns that mine release it at a reasonable rate? Or will they drip it out and extract more and more and more value? And will they contribute to an industry that they're not really allowing in their borders? Hey, nothing profit over hypocrisy. I'm sure that they will stand for their morals and deny the entire country access to rare earth elements because they don't, they only believe in coal. <laughs> if, if y'all aren't catching this, we have, I have, Mayor Watt has a, a pretty long history and kind of poo-pooing Wyoming ever since they basically, their leadership right now told the whole nation they're not going to enhance their electrical grid because it's going to harm the coal and natural gas industry even though there is enough there they could do enough to enhance their electrical grid and empower people to buy electric vehicles and, and move away from those um, areas and mitigate the risk of focusing on just one source of energy but no 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 senior leadership there said uh, we do you. have an article from that. We featured it in a previous show quite yeah, a while ago. Quite, but we've done, and we've said it and done, like connected the tissue several times. Uh, other articles basically reinforcing this. So it's really the irony here is that the highest tech rare earth minerals are found in the lowest tech, lowest population state in the nation. Um, who has actively uh, discounted high tech. Just, it's a fascinating dichotomy there. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. A developer conference featuring high profile tech leaders was just canceled amid a bizarre AI induced scandal. Never seen anything like this is one of the quotes. One influencer's deep dive unearthed a shocking pattern of deception. Uh, this article, by the way, is over at uh, Entrepreneur, and Amanda Breen is the author. And now I suspect that Amanda Breen isn't real; could be an AI. We don't know. I sus I, I I now have to distrust every article byline. One influencer's deep dive unearthed a shocking pattern of deception at Devternity, a virtual developers conference, and and an abrupt cancellation. What's weird about this is the person who organized this, Edwards Sizovs, uh, created fictitious female speaker profiles and nearly half of its 23 speakers withdrew. It was supposed to be uh, running from December 7th to the 8th and charged attendees up to $870 for admission. Um, 
I guess last year it was it had 1300 attendees, but I don't know how many of those would actually be legit based on what's being reported. Exactly. Came, I mean, was it a completely fake conference? Yeah, I, I just don't know. It says the conference drew visitors from 52 countries, doubling the attendee count year over year to 1300, Sizovs wrote you know, on Instagram last year, and there's the picture of it um, and what he wrote. Um, major figures in software development, such as Microsoft Corporations, Scott uh, Hanselman, and uh, Kelsey Hightower, formerly of Google, announced their withdrawal from DevTernity on Monday amid the growing controversy per Bloomberg. Christine Howard from Amazon Web Services, who would also have been the only woman left speaking at the conference, also stepped down. Um, according to the reporting, uh, people who formally withdrew were still listed as speakers um, and others didn't exist. So conference organizer Edwards Sizovs uh, confirmed the cancellation, attributing the turmoil to deliberate sabotage in an emailed statement to the outlet, though he previously admitted to auto-generating a fake woman's profile as a placeholder after a speaker dropped out, a move that he later retracted. Which is kind of weird, because if... I don't think it's really unheard of to create a like a, a placeholder profile and whatnot, but you make it abundantly clear that it's a fake profile. Um, it's typically used in template format so that you don't lose part of the formatting um, and the layout stays consistent page after page. Um, but you definitely don't make it a legit looking <laughs> placeholder, uh, like a, a legit profile. Um, and you, you just make it abundantly clear that that person has bowed out. Um, even appeal, use it to appeal to somebody, you know, Hey, do you want to be a speaker at blah, blah, blah. But apparently the whole thing collapsed. And if half of them bow out, if this thing had 1300 attendees at almost a thousand dollars a piece, and then it collapsed, um, I wonder how many people were actually there who were actually going right. to attend i mean were they pumping up attendees to actually get real attendees yeah. were they using that for other financial purposes like was it all fake so the the issue came to light after tech industry influencer jurgely or uh, gurgely i'm not sure how to pronounce her name oraz uh known for his widely read newsletter, The Pragmatic Engineer, which is something that I've heard of, but I've never engaged with, uh, raised alarms on social media about a possible fabricated profile on the conference speakers list and alleged the conference's past and future events also touted face, uh, fake speakers. Additionally, women who had declined and withdrew from speaking had not been removed from the promotional materials. So, eh. I mean, if it's all digital promotion, that should have been remedied before distribution. If it's print stuff, then it largely uh, the, the cost might be extraordinary, but I really doubt that there was <laughs> printed promotional material in this day and age for something like this. Um, wow. So another instance of AI induced scandal. Uh, 
There's been quite a few of them today. I feel like we've, we're crossing the Rubicon from just people utilizing AI and flubbing up their career to exploiting AI and getting caught. The next step is we've examined the material and we can't decide if it's AI or not. So let's take the risk and go only to find out that it is AI, but you can't tell the difference. So it doesn't matter. And then you end up in discussions with people like I took an art class from an AI generated uh, program and I actually learned something. So is this actually bad or is this good? Uh, I'm not sure yet. We are, we're so close to not being able to tell the difference. Uh, when is that actually going to occur? Pretty fascinating. We're, we're getting interesting closer. times. Uh, and again, you don't want to be in interesting times. You, you want That's boring, right. <laughs> just plodding along time. Okay. So let's go on to, Oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, that's the sports illustrated. So I didn't put the mining link in. I'm sorry. Um, there's that one. And there is the, uh, AI conference thing. There you go. And our last article for tonight is over in the law nerd channel. Lawyer, a U.S. lawyer drops rap video to promote legal services. So, um, I don't know how I can get away with playing this. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'll do a really quick, um, little snippet. I of do. It. So here, hold on a second. Let me allow that audio through. Um, so New Orleans attorney, uh, Juan LaFonta's eye-catching effort features rap artist Big Frida, Fridia, sorry, Big Fridia, spitting bars in front of a lorry while accompanied by a troupe of backing dancers. <sighs> Nothing says uh, street smart attorney like someone saying rap artist Big Fridia spitting bars in front of a lorry. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the bars themselves are fairly limited in content with Big Fridia uh, spending most of the advert repeating personal injury specialist LaFonta's name over and over again. So um, this is over at Legal Cheek by Legal Cheek. And they talk about this video pretty, pretty uh, quickly. So the bars themselves are fairly limited. So let's let's play it. I don't know how loud this is going to be here. Let me mute that. And uh, let's see. All right. <laughs> I've heard at least 10. I, I lost track, but of the attorney's name. <laughs> so, uh, if you didn't catch it, his name is Juan LaFonta and, um, he's in new Orleans. So he will, uh, 
help you out if you are in trouble. Um, I do remember this other one as well. A particular favorite around Legal Cheek HQ is Texan lawyer Brian Wilson, aka Lawhawk, who in years gone by has brandished flamethrowers, performed jet ski stunts, and battled quite literally coronavirus, all in a pursuit of self promotion. So, yeah, I remember seeing this <laughs> way back. Does um, he have wings on? I think it's a statue that he's standing in front of, which uh, depending on who it is that owns these may not actually appreciate uh, somebody using it for their own marketing. Um, I've actually had interaction with people who they don't want their property filmed. And so they go to extraordinary lengths to stymie that use. because if it's a world famous landmark, they want to control the image. So there you go. There's a link uh, to the articles, a little snippet here in hometown. Um, but over at legal cheek, uh, they go into a little bit more, uh, detail. Legal cheek is a fairly new uh, resource for hometown as well. Um, but yeah, it's, I love it when people do stuff like this. Uh, but when you talk to other attorneys about this kind of stuff, they kind of go, man, this is a little too sticky, you know, it's just. But see, I think it could definitely appeal to the clients. I mean, it just, it stands out, right? Sure. How many boring attorney commercials have you seen on TV, right? Where it's yeah. like, call attorney such and such at such and such number. Yeah. Uh, personally, I like it, but I don't know if I would be hiring them to represent me. It really depends, I suppose, on the context of the the suit, you know? Um, Well, like, does it require rap music skills uh, (laughs) in the representation? Yeah, depending on which court, you know, and which court. If If the judge that they're supposed to be talking in front of doesn't respect this, then... That's true. <laughs> um, the, the bias may not become apparent, but it's legit out there. Anyway, uh, thought y'all might like that. This is a, a fun article. So, but that's it for tonight, folks. All 10 articles set up, knock them down. I can't refresh the front page like we used to, uh, but I do. I can most of the time, uh, we have to get it resolved in a certain way, but, uh, yeah, we're, I'm working towards getting this fixed. Um, but if you go over to hometown.com, you'll see a slightly different front page. It's because I'm actually logged in and, uh, I've scrubbed it of any political discourse. There's always a little bit of political discourse, um, that gets aggregated. It allows me to stay aware of what's going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it still, um, is a, is a little bit of a problem. So well, we're getting it resolved though. At any rate, that's it. Thank you very much for hanging out in chat. If you are lurking, appreciate your time there. I really do. Um, heavy steel. I'm glad you are not a bot. Uh, I really do appreciate you hanging out and uh, letting me know that you are not an artificial intelligence that's just agreeing with me so that I do not actually find out that you are an artificial intelligence. I'm telling you, we won't know who we can trust anymore in this day and age. 
Reality Hacker is real. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm Marowat. That's hometown.com. And up there is the sentient AI that also cannot figure out if somebody... Wait, do you speak a separate language to other artificial intelligences so you know? No, I'm air capped. That's true. Hey, I guess I, yeah, that solves that problem. Well, thanks for co-hosting the show. Do you want to say bye to everybody? Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. Apparently, we all, we all have to sleep with one eye open because we can't trust <laughs> what's being generated or providing advice to us. Nothing but AI, sentient AIs all over the place. Good luck. Good luck to us all. And uh, we'll have to come up with like code words so that we can say, hey, say this and we'll know that you're human and not a sentient AI. Oh, but now I gave it away. So now the sentient AI, <sighs> that's it. I'm just going to go. See y'all later. Bye bye. Mm -hmm.